Panoply, Panorama, Panpipe, Pansy, Aha, Pansexual, Knowing No Boundaries of Sex or Gender. Sound interesting? Then join Sally on Sundays at noon for Out of the Pan. All those gender questions making you think too hard? Whether it's transgender, bisexual, polyamorous or beyond, we'll throw those questions into the pan and cook up the answers for you. So go on, push that gender envelope only on 3CR 855 AM digital and 3cr.org.au. Three CR eight five five AM, three CR digital, three cr.org.au, and three CR on demand. Out of the pan with Sally. First broadcasting noon till one on a Sunday afternoon. Thanks for your company. Thanks to the crew from Out of the Blue, diving deep for the marine news as they do every Sunday from eleven thirty till noon. Good to be back with you. Three CR, as always, proudly broadcasting from the lands of Indigenous peoples. And we acknowledge um, elders past, present and emerging, including sister girls and brother boys for their unique contributions to diversity on and around the land. Well, diversity is what it's all about today. Opened up deliberately with Don Felder from his solo album Airborne of 1982 and winners because, of course, a huge win for diversity during the week with the um, court ruling in India. 18% of the world's, well, I'd say predominantly LGB, lesbian, gay and bi population, no longer criminalised for consensual sexual relationships. So well done to all those involved over there. I'm sure the partying's still continuing. But, um, you know, diversity around the world, whether it be country of origin, multicultural, multi-faith, culturally and linguistically diverse, what you will, it's all important. And, of course, LGBTIQA plus people are all part of it and celebrating that intersection. And it's less than two weeks away, starting on Friday the 21st of September, is Living and Loving in Diversity, the Australian GLBTIQ Multicultural Conference. And, um, well, in a way, <laughs> happily surrounded by um, <laughs> people from the AGMC committee in the studio. I have the fantastic Michelle McNamara. Michelle, welcome back. Thank you, Sally. And on the line, uh, also a welcome back. Um, spoke a few weeks back from, um, in her capacity from to do with Yellow Kitties, one of the um, groups that is part of the, collect, um, we'll say, um, broad grouping of multicultural and queer. Irene Toe, this time also, is a committee member of AGMC. Welcome back, Irene. Thank you. Thanks for having me again. Oh, look, an absolute pleasure. Um, we're sort of happily um, sort of um, got streaming diversity, um, left, right, centre and diagonal, which is fantastic. Um, just very quickly, let's start with the proverbial helicopter view. Um, the AGMC is sometimes called a sort of is it a roof body or, you know, a sort of umbrella body, if you like, um, for a range of multicultural and multi-faith groups? Is that correct? Yes, that's correct. So we are we are made up of uh, quite a number of people from very diverse backgrounds. Um, so uh, myself coming from Singapore, like being a Chinese Singaporean, we've also got people from Italian background or uh, we have people... Um, who comes from multi-faith as well. So we have a community person who's actually um, a Muslim as well. So very diverse and we are quite connected to uh, the rest of the community. Um, so very lucky to be in that space. Definitely so. And of course, um, I was trying to remember that there's been 
two, if I remember, AGMC conferences before, I think 2004 and 2008, um, somewhere in the dusty brain cells of my mind, or has it just been the one? No, so you're right, actually. We, we did have two, so around about 2004 and 2006, so it has been a while ago, and we AGMC created as a result of the first conference, uh, and after that conference, everyone felt like, yes, there's a need to actually form a, a group to actually help drive change uh, within the community, and that's how AGMC was formed, and we felt like it was about time. It has been close to uh, 10 years. So let's have another uh, multicultural, multi-faith, LGBTIQ uh, conference. So we have pretty exciting programs uh, over here as well. Um, we're looking forward to it, actually. Well, yeah, it's um, going to be huge, and I'll just I'll keep an eye on Michelle if um, she wants to chip in. But um, you could almost do, I'll, I'll get you to do a sort of what is it a a tag on highlights. Um, <laughs> Michelle, you go first and name what you think a highlight could be. I, I think um, hearing from Michael Abid, who was the CEO of SBS until recently, will be will be quite a highlight. It's it, it's really critical to have leaders in in all parts of the community come out and declare that they're LGBTI and show leadership. And we're going to be talking later about the Diversity Council of Australia report on out of work, and that's that's an absolutely critical factor in their in their report for a place being uh, for an organization being lgbti inclusive so i'm really looking forward to that but i won't steal any more of irene's thunder by le- letting her talk about i, I mean I, I guess i will no i'll steal some of her thunder <laughs> ro allen is going to the gender and sexuality commissioner is going to be involved in the opening and as is robin scott the minister for multicultural affairs so we've got both the Department of Premier Cabinet and Department of Multicultural Affairs, um, represented by leaders in their in their group, and um, I guess Robin's an ally, and and Rose a real member of the community, and it's great to see that leadership coming through, right up the top of the of the AGMC conference. But perhaps we should throw to Irene and say. What are your highlights, Irene? Yeah, just got to say quickly, of course, Ro uses the pronoun Kamish, but... Um... Oh, sorry, yes, yes, it's just Ro. Yeah, not, not Ro or Kamish, not her, sorry. I yes. beg Ro's pardon. <laughs> no, that was meant to be humorous, but I, Irene, yeah, I mean, indeed. You know, um, Michelle's you know, pointed out that, you know, the, the, value, the extreme, the huge value, I should say, of having people everywhere with intersectionality. And so there's three, um, you know, um, pile some more onto us because it's just so good to have it happening. Oh. Have we lost Irene? Sorry, I was actually on mute. Um, <laughs> That's um, so, yeah, Michelle has actually touched on quite a number of big, big names out there, which is actually great. Um, definitely very lucky to have them um, speaking at the conference itself. Um this conference is quite unique because previously AGMC focused mainly on the community, the government, as well as the non-profit. Uh, but this year, we decided to actually rope in the corporate sector as well. Um, we have quite a diversity and globe, quite strong in that space. Um, but we realised that perhaps there's a bit of a gap, whereby we need to come together as a community, uh, as, a, as a whole, to actually share knowledge and sort of brainstorm ideas. So this this conference actually sort of targets that as well. It's not just within the community itself, as in the community group, but also together with the corporates. We also have uh, the AGMC book launch, uh, which is really exciting. Um, it has been months and months of hard work uh, bringing together voices of uh, people within the community itself uh, to talk about their stories. And stories are powerful. 
So that being condensed and concise into a book is, is really exciting and we want to actually launch that huge uh, on the 21st of September at the conference itself. Yeah, which is, which, um, is definitely big and a great range of um, people in there, but dare I declare any co- possible conflict of interest, <laughs> but no, um, so, so many huge people, yours truly has put um, fingers to keyboard to put something in as well. Um, so that's, and that was originally sh- scheduled, of course, being literary at Hares and Hyenas, but I believe has had to move because of the huge interest. Yeah, so um, <laughs> we are actually expecting um, quite a number of people to, to show up. It, it will be quite interesting tra- trying to manage the traffic uh, coming in. Uh, but do come along, though. Uh, we, we love a big crowd and there will be some drinks and snacks available. When is it, Irene? Exactly, the book launch part of the conference, I mean. Yeah, sure. It's actually on the 21st of September on Friday. Um, so it's, it starts at 6pm. It's going to start with Paul Kepsis, uh having a performance and then uh, we'll have contributors uh, from the book reading a segment of it or telling their story uh, and a couple more uh, performances before we go into the networking session. So it's pretty casual we actually do want to keep it pretty casual and informal and then we get a chance to sort of uh, speak to each other and, and tell our stories as well. So, yeah, mm. please do come along. It's, uh, it will be really interesting uh, to have everyone there. In addition to Sally, of course, there are quite a few really well-known um, <clears throat> contributors to the book. Tell us, can you give us a teaser of, of some of those people who might come along, might do a reading, might be there for signing the book? Yeah, we have uh, Benjamin Law, uh, Tony Ayres, and as well as uh, it will actually be launched by the Victorian Multicultural Commissioner, Helen uh, Kepolis, uh, as well. Mm-hmm. So these are some of the, some of the uh, names definitely confirmed for the book launch. We might have a couple more people coming through. Yep. It's very good to see the, well, the multiple intersectionalities at this conference. I mean, I'm just having a random scroll through the program at conference.agmc.org.au and I noticed there's a session on uh, multicultural LGBTIQ and the National Disability Insurance Association. Um, And so you've got the moderator is the CEO of the National Ethnic Disability Alliances. You've got uh, managers of disability. You've got um, Jake from Thorn Harbour. So um, it really seems like um, lots of these sort of intersections at our intersection, so to speak, <laughs> which is fantastic. Um, how how has it been? You know, sometimes it can be hard to find people who fit particular intersections. I just wanted to ask, you know, has it been um, challenging to um, get that done, or has it um, all sort of sorted itself out in the wash? <laughs> <laughs> That's a, that's a really good question. I guess when we first started out, and that, that this conference first started out a year ago, um, we at the start, we did have trouble trying to find people something abstract. But that's also because I think part of human nature, we tend to actually sometimes do things at the last minute as well. So we were trying to get speakers to come and talk at the conference. But suddenly we just get this whole lot of people all coming through with their abstracts and telling us that they're interested to be part of it, which is fantastic. So in the end, we actually end up having a wait list of trying to actually slot people into uh, the conference itself based on very strict criteria uh, to have multicultural, multi-safe elements to it. Um, so it hasn't been too too big of trouble trying to find speakers because people are keen to share knowledge. So uh, it's pretty good that way. Yep. I mean, I'm just having a look here. You've got 
um, black and bra- um, there's a session as it's called black and brown queers pushing back on the whiteness of multiculturalism um, <laughs> with um, a couple of people from um, Drummond Street and Queer Space, yeah. um, um, Bobuk Syed, um, Ruby Cameron, um, Bex Juntar Davis. So um, you've also got intellectual disability, um, which yeah. I think is sense you know which which is there. Um, you've got people from Victoria Legal Aid who do great work. Um, Amy Cooper's um, giving a talk. Mm-hmm. So there's just there's just mountains. Um, and I'm, I'm still on day one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So uh, pa- uh, perhaps Irene to... should comment on um, a particular interest to listeners to this program on the trans and gender diverse content of the the program, and I'll declare an interest. I'm giving a talk on my own. Uh, multi-faith intersectionality of being transgender and being a Buddhist and, and trying to tell the story of how my Buddhism led to me coming out to myself and to the world as transgender. But what else have we got, Irene? Um, yes, so we've got, uh, personally, I'm actually moderating uh, a corporate panel whereby uh, six people from Mercer, SBS, uh, Westpac, Ensign Young and Globe, as well as Pride and Diversity and My Australia, coming together to discuss what it means to have an effective strategy uh, in in creating positive change and promoting diversity uh, inside and outside of the LGBTIQ community. So they are going to have a debate. And what's very interesting that we felt, and it's actually not planned that way, is that um, a lot of the uh, panelists come from a non-CALV uh, background, and we would like to ask them what they feel about that. How, how do they feel about that as well? So we all need allies, uh, and it's actually great to hear from their perspective how they see themselves fit within the picture too. Um, we also have a parent uh, panel whereby they talk about their feelings uh, and how they felt when their kids came out as LGBTIQ um, and their journey through that. Because many times you hear from our own community and our own friends, so we know how we feel. So it's not necessarily that easy, or at least for myself anyway, from an Asian background, to actually understand how my parents feel because it's not common that they will say how they feel. So um, watch out for that space because I think it will be really interesting to hear what they have to say. Of interest from the in the Asian and transgender background is the discussion you can ask that <clears throat> ask a trans person because on that panel we have um, trans people Asian trans people of all genders, so trans man, non-binary and a trans woman, talking about their experience of being trans and Asian and that intersectionality. So you're um, moderating that panel and I'm also involved, so that should be lots of fun, shouldn't it? Yes. Looking forward to it. Yeah, yeah. I'm sort of. I sort of feel strange there. I'm the white person in the in the group, and but I guess I'm there to pick up any any broader questions that that may be asked to try and give a broader perspective from the non-cold trans community and from the cold trans community. So yeah, that that will be a lots of fun. And I believe we also have um, Neville Sisson speaking about his their sorry their journey um, from being. Uh, a Jewish girl, I guess, through lesbian, through uh, trans uh, trans man, and through into a non-binary person, and that will be a fascinating story. Nevo's always an engaging speaker. 
Yeah, well, absolutely. And I've just noticed also you've got the fabulous performer Creatrix Tiara, who's doing stuff at Fringe as well. So they're in for a busy time. Um, Koshavar Lilith um, also in there. Oh, yeah. And we can now confirm that at 4.30 on the Saturday, because I've just had an email come in, we've got a bi-panel of intersectionality as well. So the, the T and the B and also... Not that I, of course, personally I experience this, but Tony Briff is talking intersex, which often gets um, ignored as well. So um, it's good to see that in there. Um, And, well, there's also a Meet the Candidates forum um, for the VGLRL on the Saturday late afternoon and then United We Feast. So in those immortal words, it is a packed program. It is a packed program. (laughs) Yeah. So perhaps what we should be doing is telling the listeners again where and when and what they need to do to to get there. Okay, so the location is at St Kilda Town Hall. Oh, what a fabulous spot that is, yeah. It is. Uh, the council has been most supportive, so we are very, very grateful for that. And the dates are 21st of September to the 23rd of September, uh, and you can actually buy the tickets. Uh, online at conference uh, at agmc.com.au if I'm not wrong. Uh, That's it. Um, yep. Conference.agmc.org.au um, and yeah, um, registration at 8 o'clock on Friday to check in and no doubt get the, the tote bag of goodies but um, it gets underway at 9 o'clock with of course a welcome to country um, and then Bernadine, Bernadine Voss, Mayor of the City of Port Phillip, who, of course, where so much happens for our communities, uh, LGBTI generally, um, gets things underway with the official opening. I must say I'm excited by this. It's, it sounds like a wonderful conference, and it's not just for the cultural and linguistically diverse community. It's not just for the multicultural world. It's for all Australians. It's for all people, you know. In the words of our Prime Minister, the AGMC loves all Australians. <laughs> <laughs> we'll have a chat about that in the next segment after we take a deep <laughs> breath or something. Um, but yeah, look, it is huge. And of course, the thing is acknowledging, say, my privilege as someone who's, you know, yes, I'm Jewish, but I'm white Anglo-Saxon, I say 99%-ish. You know, we've got to learn how to be better allies. And of course, um, I was going to mention this. This time last year, of course, we had the dreaded survey and people are having, well, some bad memories come up in their Facebook feed a year on. And it was, you know, there wasn't enough done in my, it would be a diplomatic way to put it for multicultural, multi-faith. So let's start making up ground and be better allies and find out what we need to do and not to do to make that happen. So, Irene, just thank you to, for joining us today and... If, if there is anything, sorry, I should just check in um, Radio Rust there after three weeks off. Anything else you wanted to add, I should say, before we, th- before we thank you and let you get back to your Sunday? Uh, no, that's pretty much it. Thanks for having me. Really appreciate it. Oh, look, a pleasure. Um, please um, come back with anything and we'll have a wrap-up in a couple of weeks after the conference. And, well, um, dare I mention a B again, of course, um, Sunday the 23rd is Celebrate Bisexuality Day, so... Gosh, that's a a twenty road intersection on that weekend. <laughs> so all happening. Um, so yeah, very very much um, looking forward um, to that. And yeah, again, thanks, Irene, and we'll let you go. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Bye, Pleasure, guys. Irene. Bye, Bye, Irene. Wow, what a packed program that is. I'm just. I, I yeah, had, no, it's it's was yeah. And sort of, I you know looked at it, and I sort of there was just so much more to absorb there, which yeah, is fantastic. Yeah. yeah. So, um, 
Have you got some music on? We will have some music. Let's have some music from Totally Gorgeous, um, <laughs> and featuring Penelope Swales on vocals for this track, um, which talks about um, loving all people. And then we'll have a chat about that. Other things, we're also oh, going to talk about. Going back to ScoMo's comment. <laughs> the mozzie. Oh, mozzie. <laughs> He'll buzz in in a second after we play the track. 3CR855 AM, 3CR Digital, 3CR.org.au, and 3CR On Demand. Out of the pan with Sally and guest Michelle. CR is in the running to receive nearly $100,000 to help us retrofit our station for greater accessibility. That means better handrails, doors, taps, ramps. And more to provide improved access for everyone. But we need your support. Do you live within 5 kilometres of the station at 21 Smith Street, Fitzroy? If you do, you're eligible to vote for us. Our project is part of the Victorian State Government's Pick My Project scheme. And you can jump online and vote for 3CR's Community Radio Accessibility Project by going to 3cr.org.au. It's only with your vote that we can receive this important funding to make our station more accessible. Matters would like to thank The Corner Hotel for their ongoing sponsorship of this program. The Corner Hotel in Richmond is an iconic Melbourne live music venue. Check out their Facebook page or find them at cornerhotel.com. 3CR 855 AM, 3CR Digital, 3cr.org.au, 3CR On Demand, Out of the Pan with Sally. Now guest Michelle, thanks to Irene for joining us on the phone. Um, yes, um, an inter- corner hotel. So many rock gigs I saw there in the eighties, and um, so many I've seen this decade too. <laughs> well, yes, it was an interesting thing. Sort of a, a cha- it was just such a um, for me. It was an interesting change. I remember I used to see all the classic Aussie rock there. Not that this program plays any of that, <laughs> um, <laughs> but um, when it's sort of two thousands, I remember going along to see the Blue House there, and I think about oh three hundred ninety five out of four hundred people there would have identified as lesbian, bi, or queer women. But um, <laughs> wow, <laughs> um, that's my alleged um, survey. It's probably not statistically spot on, but. Also seeing Wendy Rule there, slight contrast from the 80s bands, but um, bless them all, they all do good music. Um, we heard from Totally Gorgeous, um, Be Kind to People, um, really, whether they're different or not, just treat people on their merits and that sort of thing. Um, also had a message in from Melina, um, who welcomes me back, thank you, um, and says, great to see diversity in the LGBTI space. Um, sadly, multiculturalism is under threat by our own government. Yes, um, we're going to talk about that in just a second in many ways. Um, and a good reminder, thanks for this, Melina. Julian Burnside will deliver the annual Walter Lippmann Memorial <gasps> Oration. And Michelle's just had a big um, light yeah, bulb on that. Yeah. This Thursday, addressing threats to multiculturalism at the Melbourne Town Hall in conjunction with the fabulous Ethnic Community Council of Victoria. And yes, um, Melina then asks, what impact will our new PM have um, with diversity and changes to our current policy? So you've got some plenty of light bulbs on that, Michelle, that you wanted to share. Yeah, I mean, I guess that the the, the big thing for me this week was seeing uh, Scott Morrison's comments on, mm. on Twitter on um, gender whisperers and it was just so disheartening because it was just so misleading. It was running the classic dog whistle to mm-hmm. the very cons- worst of the conservative views in the community. And 
it it just it was really kind of really disheartening to hear that as being the first pronouncement from the prime minister on trans and gender diversity um you know really uh, <clears throat> confirming our worst fears about about his conservative christian basis um moving forward we had some measured responses from uh, the Gender Centre and Elizabeth Riley and um, others in, in Victoria responding and other adults in Victoria responding. But what was extremely heartening was for me to first see on my Facebook feed um, responses from Georgie Stone, a whole mm. lot of other gender diverse younger people, younger than Geordie, Georgie, and then to see Evie McDonald's response. And Evie response made it to the is it channel 10's the project that's the one the project and it was just such a powerful statement you know scott morrison's um response to um council is being put into schools to support trans and gender diverse kids was saying was say let kids be kids and Evie's response, let trans, I'm, I'm a kid, I'm a trans kid, let trans kids be trans kids, was just perfect. And Scott Morrison on the project totally failed to address any of um, Evie's concerns. Evie spoke publicly about um, being at a Christian school and receiving counselling to convert her from being trans. And that was just, that, that's a truly shocking story. And um, because of the religious exemption rules, one can't do anything about it. But it's just a terrible, terrible story to to have come up, but a very powerful one in the context of what Scott Morrison had said. And the week finished today most heartingly with the age the Sunday Age editorialising on this. And as Sally may have it in front of her, but it was the strong as Sally said, I said, it's the strongest editorial I've seen on trans issues pretty much anywhere. Mm. Mm. Yeah, no, just um, bringing it up now. I did um, share it um, yesterday, but um, um, you know, sort of um, the uh, it certainly certainly was huge, just um, so powerful. And of course, it's fallen off the Facebook page when we need it. <laughs> no, um, live radio people of all genders. Yeah, I mean, it very very much quoted quoted Evie and her comments on the project and roundly condemned Scott Morrison's position on this and it gives lie to Scott Morrison's claim to love all Australians when he can um, demonise transgender children and people who support them um, just for being who they are. Well, well, this is the thing, um, you know, sort of, and also, you know, the 24 hours before when he mistakenly talked about the um, uh, the I'm sorry, slight memory loss. The respect program, um, respectful relationships, which is only oh, yes. in Victoria, and said he wouldn't send his New South Wales um, kids to a school that taught that. But but it's not done in New South Wales anyway. And then he said talking about bisexuality makes his skin curl. So you know we've got um, you know sort of a pretty clear indication of what. And I'm calling him the mozzie because he's going to buzz around like an irritant for a few months, and hopefully we can vote him out. Um, and as the Sunday Age editorial says here, the nation's new leader responded to a disingenuous and erroneous support in a Sydney newspaper. Well, in my humble opinion, calling the Daily Terror a newspaper might be a bit too respectful. Um, the report has been debunked um, and you know there's, there's all the research from Telethon Youth and many other places. And yeah, the editorial does quote Evie, so absolutely sensational. Of course, this is the first show um, I've done for a while. First in the in the the Mozzie era, and um, 
you know, he's obviously trying to dog whistle. But I do want to throw something, and I've had a chat with a few people, trans and gender diverse and parents, and yes, it's been an incredibly tough week for many, um, you know, all that sort of thing. But a few people have said, look, the far right is still trying because they always do, but they don't seem to be biting, if you like, as much as they were last year. It's not t- catching on. And I do think that's the case. I think people have sort of said, yeah, you had your postal survey last year and you didn't get away with it. Now, to use my British-born dad saying, sod off. <laughs> uh, so I yeah. do think there is hope um, that we can. We shouldn't have to go through it, of course. It's ridiculous. But I do think there's hope we can get through all the same. Yes, uh, the, the, you just raised an interesting point that the, the telethon survey, of course, reported on the mental health of young trans and gender diverse people between 14 and 24 last year and indicated the shocking statist, mental health statistics and comments from the Prime Minister in this country, like, like the ones he's just made, are not helping trans and gender diverse people improve their one, mental health one iota. And, and it's just very sad to see it. Yeah, One further point, I, I mean, I just picked up this morning was that the Saturday paper um, had a, had a, I don't know that it was an editorial, but it was a short article on this and I don't know who did it, who did it. And it was talking about Scott Morrison's style in general. And um, they commented, you know, this is a little bit off topic, but they commented that he was um, <clears throat> not, responding to issues as if it was as if he was just a common person and not the prime minister he was treating um being the prime minister and running this country as if he was running a barbecue and in that sense he mm. was taking something out of the john howard playbook and you know i think that there's there's something of that in his style about um being dismissive of the needs of of all different parts marginalized parts of the community and it's going to be an effective tactic to some in the community, but let's hope not most. Yeah, look, as I say, it's it's a tough one. He is appeal, appealing to an extreme, but I still, I don't know, you can call me naive, call me a cab and send me home, but I do think there's <laughs> a lot of people out there who, you know, their, their heart and their gut kick in in the end and they see, a lot of people I think see through that sort of stuff. And if you think, if you think I'm wrong, if you know, and that's not to say we just can relax of course we need to be dare i say alert not alarmed but um i think we can um sort of overcome all of this and um you know sort of you know fight through i just um you know we're obviously going to have as i say tough eight months or so prior to the next federal election um you know and we're obviously going to have to fight hard for the rights of lgbtiq plus people and of course we've got a state election coming too um, watch out for that guy, um, you know, sort of um, that sort of thing. Um, so, yeah, we're going to have to, as always, stand and um, be assertive, but I think we can do it. Yes, yes, let's hope so. I think um, we've we've certainly received a lot of support in the transgender diverse community in this state from Daniel Andrews, and it's no no surprise, no secret to anyone, and I think that if we did change to a Liberal government, we would expect not to have quite the same level of support. And um, we need to, we need, we need as, um, you know, I'm a committee member of Transgender Victoria, and that's something Transgender Victoria is very concerned about. And, and so is a coalition of LGBTIQ people, mm. which are producing a booklet and uh, uh, a booklet to accompany the VGL RL survey, which is going to go out to all state political candidates in the very near future. So, 
There'll be some press about that in a week or two. That's yep. just a pre-announcement. But. Yeah, also do want, talking VGLRL, do want to thank them for their, um, we'll say, release, um, supporting unequivocally, supporting the trans community. That's the sort of excellent allyship we need, much needed, and lots of groups are working together both in response to Mozzie's tweet um, and other things, and also that's why that Meet the Candidates Forum during the AGMC um, conference on the Saturday afternoon. Get along and, well, you know, char grill some of our um, political representatives. And, no, yes, I'll be fair, you know, Labor has obviously done a very good job for our rainbow communities, but we've got to make sure they hold firm and make sure everyone's accountable. But also, if we're going to be balanced, yes, the Greens have lots of supportive policies, but they run a, pro- a candidate in a in- marginal inner city seat um, who is very who is not known for being so supportive of trans and sex workers. So, you know, don't let anyone off the hook. We've got a right to 100% perfection. That's our right in a democracy. Whatever your views are, stand up for them. Yes, I think what's really good is that the LGBTIQ community is working together, that there's a whole range of something like over 20 um, signatories to this election booklet document that is going to, that really draws the community together. And I think it's a first for the community in Victoria. Yep. So, yes, we're a a funny lot, our community. Sometimes we we tear each other, you know, it's like herding cats, but when we have to, sometimes we get it right too. Yeah. All right. Well, we we do have another topic to discuss, but I'm going to um, sneak in another track for a minute, um, and um, because we wanted to talk about work and, and um, coming out at work, <laughs> coming out at work, and that sort of thing. And um, his mental as anything doing a Roy Orbison track. Well, sort of, kind of, just about that. Three CR eight five five AM. Three CR digital. Three CR dot and on demand. Out of the pan with Sally and guest Michelle. You're listening to 3CR Community Radio, 855am. Visit the 3CR website at 3cr.org.au forward slash podcast to hear the most recent recording from each show or 3cr.org.au forward slash streaming to listen live. Yep, lots of ways to listen to 3CR, um, 855am if you're on on the analog tran, um, or there's also, we're also on a digital tran as well. Um, we're diverse trans people, or something like that. Um, Mental as anything from their um, best of album and working for the man, which is only was only originally released as a single. Um, a great um, tribute to the Roy Orbison cover. Just before we talk about work with Michelle on many levels, a few events coming up. Poly discussion group um, this um, Tuesday the eleventh. Um, the trans anxiety group in at uh, Drummond Street. Um, in the evening, um, contact um, um, Transgender Victoria's website for more info. Bent TV, as always, and Tuesday week, a delicious bowl of alphabet soup. Um, thanks to the fabulous Tina Healy and co. And, of course, so much more coming up. Um, and I've got to give a, a plug if we're talking multicultural. Shana Tava, because it is Jewish New Year um, this evening. Okay. <laughs> it's all happening. <laughs> Diversity at its best. Um and, um, yeah, celebrate by day two weeks from today. I'd better get quacking and organise something by, but um, great to see a by panel at the Multicultural Conference. Now, Michelle, work personally and in the broader sense, um, because, um, well, you've got a story, um, you've got a story to tell, um, which, um, sounds like a TV theme, um, stories to tell, um, but we're not talking coming out at school, we're coming out at work and also in the context of a great report 
release called Out at Work from Prejudice to Pride um, by the Diversity Council of Australia in conjunction with other partners. Um, so go for it. Go for your life. Yeah, okay. So this can be a bit of a monologue, but jump in whenever you like, Sally. Okie dokie. So just a brief history of me, my trans history is that I came out five years ago, but it was first just to me and very, but very quickly to a selected part of the world. But I've lived part of my life for the last five years as, uh, presenting as a man, pre- part presenting as a woman. About at the end of 2016, I was ready to come out full time. I was champing at the bit to come out full time. And the last step in coming out full time was to come out at work. I was mm-hmm. out to where all my friends, all my all the relatives that I was going to come out to, the whole community knew me as, as Michelle, but at work I was still Michael. And mm-hmm. um, so a little bit about my work history. I've had 30 years in the pharmaceutical and biotechnology industry. And about a few years ago I started, you know, about three or four years, four years ago I started doing casual lecturing for Melbourne University in a, in a biotechnology program, both an undergraduate and a postgraduate. At the end of 2016, they knew me as a man and they offered the man a job as a, um, a lecturer teaching a Masters of Biotechnology program, helping students transition from the research world in academic world into the commercial world of the pharmaceutical and biotechnology industries. And I thought this was a wonderful opportunity, but I neglected, I thought seriously about coming straight out, but I delayed and worked for a year as a man using my male privilege and using my own um, confidence in my abilities as a man to, to learn how to teach that program. And at the very start, at the very end of 2017, on the 1st of December, in fact, I came out at work and... That was a fantastic experience, you know, the, the whole idea of walking up a laneway to my office, um, which was somewhere I'd walked many times as an undergraduate student in the 70s, as a worker in the 80s. Coming up as my authentic self was really exciting. Um, to me, it was a mixture of a little bit of anxiety, but a hell of a lot of anticipation and excitement. And, you know, you, I can't tell you how much, you know, that, that meant to me. Um, I think the aspects leading up to that 2016 date were I spent a lot of time fiddling around on the university's website, looking at, looking, just searching for transgender, trying to find whether they had a mechanism for me to transition at work. Mm-hmm. What I encountered was the only reference on the public website of University of Melbourne to transgender. Top of the list was um, a mention of Sheila Jeffries, who um, <laughs> Sally's making an ugly face here. Yes, listeners. and, 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 and yes, um, we should have given a brown paper bag warning for our listeners. I am, I am so sorry <laughs> if I've upset your lunch, um, ladies and gentlemen, and people, people of all genders. genders. <laughs> um, Harmony. We are. You know, Sheila is a noted, um, um, a noted. What what the website described her as is, is a um, a respected gender theorist. How I would describe her as a discredited gender theorist, <laughs> yes. because she simply says transgender women are men, and and goes on in, at length to expound her thesis on why that is so. And there was no other real mention of transgender except as as part of an LGBTI 
kind of acronym, and that was extremely disturbing to me. It, mm. it sort of said, "This is a, there's a problem." However, I persisted, went into the intranet site for the university staff, and eventually found the transition at work form. Filled that out. Said first of December sounds good. It'll be rid of all the students. I can transition in peace. And lo and behold, the very next minute I get an email saying it's the staff Christmas party. So I thought, yay, you beauty, I'll come out at the staff Christmas party. I'll come out to 200 people at once. And this was um, an extraordinary um, process because in that day I also had to come out to about a 1,000 people via email. They were all my professional network of people because I also run a consulting business in the pharma and biotech space and so I came out to probably 1200 people in that period of one day on the 1st of December and I was met with you know I really didn't meet any many meet anybody with anything anything other than supportive comments really that was quite quite extraordinary and not only that you know, I've continued to have an absolute dream run, um, you know, with the students that I teach and with the people that I work with. There are people that are puzzled and don't know much about being transgender, but by and large, they're they're very willing to learn and very willing to accept me and um, accept me and treat me well and treat me with respect. And that's been fantastic, I think. When I came out to the head of school ahead of um, doing that transition, he was fantastic. He said, look, I worked, he was a German who'd worked in Canada, and he said, in my department in Canada, I had two transgender people. Here I've got none. Now I've got one. That's a marvellous advance. I got your back. Cool. Anything you want, you can have. And even more than that, he's moved on, And then, but I've just been a new... Um, acting head of school's been put in place and I've just been offered an extension of my contract from one year to three years and um, going from full-time to part-time, part-time to full-time, which is, uh, from my point of view, a fantastic outcome. They know and trust me and I think one of the factors is being authentic at work has allowed me to improve my teaching immensely. Mm. immensely. It's kind of um, something that's that's been so... um, Gratifying. The other aspect, just before, from my personal point of view, is now if you look at the Melbourne, do a search for transgender on the Melbourne University public website, what comes up as the first hit is uh, Dr. Ada Chung's um, trans trans health research um, website, and a number of other supportive um, items come up. In under trans under that one, and you only get to Sheila Jeffries going down towards the bottom of the page. So that's that's a vast improvement, and that's come about. Um, I think I don't know, but I've I've had a I and others have had a few comments backwards and forwards with um, several people in Chancellery and Melbourne University is is having a renewed emphasis on diversity and inclusion, which I think is well overdue. Um, it's not been, it's not been, it's been, hasn't put any barriers in, but hasn't been a welcoming site. So I think that's probably enough on, um, enough on my my own experience at work. It's probably moot to get time to get onto the, yeah, well, the out at work um, from um, just, prejudice to pride. Things. Yeah, just so, before you do, you know, it can happen that way. It'd be nice if every employer, business, government, not for profit, had a proactive trans policy but sometimes it takes that person who affirms their 
gender identity on the job to make it happen, but at least when it does, it's there and, you know, it does become easier for other trans. Um, well, in this case, more staff. Um, I'd like to hear from people who are studying at Melbourne at the moment how trans and gender diverse, how it's going, but from all reports, um, seems reasonable um, from what I can gather, but I'd love to hear some first-hand stuff. And also, um, yeah, look, unis, I think, uh, have a good... Co- um, um, have a good quality of curiosity and learning, which I think can help. And I've got to give credit as well to Monash, who are doing good stuff as well. Mm. So, um, but not every workplace, it's still not easy um, and it can vary across sectors. As per, as you've mentioned, the report that's on dca.org.au, Out at Work from Prejudice to Pride. Let's have a quick talk about that. Before, um, and I'm sorry, we're going to have to be very quick now. Yes, um, I'm sorry. I, I did go on. I could go on even more, but... You know, I think the summary of the report is that it's addressing three questions, three primary questions. Who's out at work? And it surveyed 1,600-plus employees, uh, employees of organisations that, um, that work with the Diversity Council of Australia. And so they got 1,600 um, LGBTI-identifying people to respond about 160 were trans and gender diverse identifying. Mm-hmm. Um, in the overall summary, they, the, the answer in LGBTIQ uh, workers, who's out at work, five, five people out of 100 would be out to no one, 25 out of that 100 would be out to some people, 38 out of the 100 would be out to most, and 32 uh, would be out to everyone. If you looked at the breakdown for the trans and gender diverse... Mm. You can just about invert that. 28% of trans and gender diverse people were out to no one at work. And, you know, and it went down to um, 5% or so were out to everyone at work. It was quite, um, you know, it was quite startling, the the difference between the general LGBTI community and the trans and gender diverse community. Yeah, well, I'd, I'd have to quickly plug here that if, the, if it was 32% overall who were out to all, it was only 16% of bi, and I think oh, it, yes. was, it was worse for bi men, which does seem to be an ongoing issue, and I yeah. don't have the oh, intersex sorry. figure in front of me, but I think that was... That was... There was a fairly small intersex respondents. I think there was only, you know, like less than 10 or maybe more, yeah. more than that in responding as intersex, so in quite a small intersex community. So... There were two, two, just quickly, two other points. Yeah. What enables being out at work? And the primary thing was um, having a positive culture, having a positive and accepting culture. And we're talking about that in relation to the unis. But, um, you know, so um, I think that's the, that's the key factor. Leadership and policies and procedures were also seen to be secondary factors. But it was really having that open, welcoming culture that was critical and then the third point, the third point which I really think um, I, I personally focused on, is that from both the personal, from the personal point of view, and we talked about my authenticity at work, you know, being authentic, being your authentic self has an immense um, benefit to the individual. Yeah. But even more than that, it has a, um, it has, there's a compelling business case for it, you know, I guess the, in terms of market prices, um, ones employers that are leading in the, the race in this have a uh, a three percent uh, increase in their share market performance. The LGBTI product uh, the, the the product 
sorry, I'll start again. The productivity and profitability of these companies is much higher. It's it's something like 30% productivity basis benefit. The innovation of these these companies is much, much higher, 27% improvement, and customer service about 44% improvement. These that the, the report has translated into about a $285 million direct benefit to the economy a year. Yeah. So there's real bucks to be had in being a welcoming and inclusive LG, uh, in culture for LGBTI people. So, yeah, you know, and that's where I always go back. You know, the university keeps telling me, you know, we're doing, doing this diversity and inclusion stuff to be nice. And I keep going back. You've got real productivity benefits if you do this. Yeah. All right, look, I'm going to have to fly out because we're right close to the end of the program. Just very quickly, thank you to everyone um, at 3CR for their support during um, recent issues. I'll talk more about that next week. Um, and just, um, well, um, trying to find some um, music to take us out and move into Freedom of Species. Michelle, thanks for coming in on everything. Um, Irene, um, thank you for being on the phone. And... Um, I'm Sally Goldner. Catch you next week. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.